Good morning, everyone. I'm your host, Claudia Shambaugh, welcoming you to the July 29, 2014 edition of Ask a Leader. For those of you who are unable to attend last week's Irvine City Council meeting or missed the cable TV coverage, the brass turned out, the veterans of many foreign wars made their case garnering a unanimous, if not conditional, I must say, support of locating the Veterans Memorial Garden at the Arda site within the Great Park. It's all explained in the the interview we did with Bill Cook last week. You can see that in the podcast. It's uploaded everywhere. Related a good deal to that process is the topic for today's show. Today, my guest here in the studio is Reggie Monicus, one of the folks with the Orange County Fairgrounds Preservation Society, the people who stopped the sale of the fairgrounds and continue to work to keep fairgrounds as public assets for all Californians. She'll be with us the full hour today to speak to many points and connect the dots in one process that may have a lot to do with another. Don't go away. We'll be right back after a short station break. Promise. All right, everybody, thank you for staying with me. Welcome back to the show. As I said, my one and only guest today is Reggie Mundakis, who is one of the people with the Orange County Fairgrounds Preservation Society, the people who stopped the sale of the fairgrounds and continue to keep the fairgrounds as public assets for all Californians. Reggie is an active constituent of the city of Orange, and she's involved with a number of things. She might just mention that just briefly after I say she's she's earned her bachelor's of engineering degree at the Stevens Institute of Technology at Hoboken, New Jersey, and then her MBA at USC. She is here today to lay out the comprehensive background of the Orange County Fairgrounds from the time around that uh, Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger proposed auctioning off the property to offset the state of California's budget deficit. It is important to consider the process, the players, and the financing as much of these elements are operating in the build-out of the Orange County Great Park. As we hear Reggie's account, we need to ponder a park property theme here. Welcome to the show, Reggie. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, you've done so much hard work. It's time that uh, all my listeners, uh, we move off the secret for those who haven't been tracking what you've been doing these many years. It's been like about a decade, I think, of work or decade of uh, forensic work into the um, into the present. And I'm going to look for opportunities, folks. I'm going to give you the phone number for the studio. If we're all well behaved out there, uh, I don't. Reggie's been super well behaved, but if you are, we're I. I'd like to see whether we can actually pull off having some calls into the station. As you may know, that this, the number here in Studio A is 949-824-5824. Once Reggie's underway with explaining her involvement and the, the meticulous kinds of forensic work they've done with what's been going on with the fair board, et cetera, et cetera, uh, we'll try to handle some calls in. So it's a, a little a change in the program, but uh, let's see if we can make that work. 
Reggie's here today, as I said, to bring up the comprehensive background. Previously on Ask a Leader, as uh, actually Reggie knows, she's heard it too, I interviewed Dick Ackerman about his role as founder and director of Irvine Cares. And I wanted now to follow up his responses with a more detailed account of the Orange County Fair property in which Dick Ackerman did have a role that the public may not be fully aware of. We are going to name names. And call it as it is, and Reggie and her fellow Orange County Fairground P- Preservation Society saw it as uh, their diligence have done. Uh, they've done a major service for the larger community and benefits uh, for uh, th- that we all benefit from with the, this amenity of the Orange County Fairground. So, Reggie, good morning. Good morning. Let's start with the background on the fairgrounds. What goes on there uh, besides an annual fair? There's so many other things. I mean, the fair is going on until about August 11th. Maybe some of the listeners have already been there. I had a quick chance to get there, and I intend to get back there before it closes out because there's, there's such incredible things. And, I mean, I do steer clear from the fried food zone, and there's, there's something for everybody. So tell us what's going on besides what we know about the annual fair. Well, most people think the fairgrounds gets used uh, during the annual fair only, but actually it's a place that gets a lot of use year-round. For instance, the Orange County Equestrian Center is located there, is located off Arlington, and is home to uh, many uh, horses and the riders and trainers. Uh, Which dis- it distinguishes itself from the Orange, the Los Angeles County Fairground. Yes, it does. Um, the Los Angeles County Fairground is privately owned. It used to be state-owned, but was made private during the Great Depression, and currently has no livestock or other agricultural use on it. The Orange County Fairground is very proud of maintaining the county's agricultural heritage through the Equestrian Center, the Centennial Farm, 4-H, and FFA also exhibit their animals during the fair and participate in the Junior Livestock Auction. And also, after the livestock auction, they bring in other animals from people who raise goats and other and sheep and have those on exhibit so people can learn about agriculture, where the food comes from. There's also gardening classes at Centennial Farms. There's a lot going on throughout the year, in addition to all the other shows and exhibits. Okay, so there's that multi-ring circus of sorts going on. So, Reggie, uh, let's now go back, generally speaking, to April 2004, some may not recall, this is like a decade ago now, John Campbell, who was then an assemblyman in the state legislative body, not, not he's now finishing off his uh, last term as a congressman representing this area, uh, but t- John Campbell suggested that the Orange County Fair be moved to the Great Park, remember all that, folks, and in Irvine, and that the state of California sell the existing fairgrounds located in Costa Mesa with the proceeds used to reduce the state deficit. So uh, let's pick up from that point. And then Governor Schwarzenegger, I, it's, it's not clear to me, maybe you know from your your research, did did that really come from, originate from the governor's office or was that a sort of a local kind of a, a, of a, a proposal? When... I was not involved when John Campbell made his original proposal. I became involved in 2009, but I'm familiar with the history. The Campbell proposal came out and surprised many people. Uh, The whole idea of picking up and moving all that tradition over to the Great Park was shocking to some people. The property that is now the fairgrounds is desired by some people because of its great location. It's flat and level. It's near a couple of freeways. It's a few minutes from John Wayne Airport. That 
his the the proposal to move the great park was met by pushback from the residents of Costa Mesa and also Costa Mesa City Council. Later on, when Governor Schwarzenegger was elected in the fall, in, so. the, in the fall when he was elected and became governor and did his performance review, there was a section of it that discussed was called at the time underused or underutilized properties. And people really didn't understand what was meant by that. Because when you say underutilized, you think some little strip of land left by a Caltrain's off-ramp that somebody builds a gas station on. That's not what they were talking about. They were talking about pieces of property that were already built out, which were in daily use, that could be sold off to a private entity. Some of the pieces listed as underutilized included courthouses, CHP stations, the Cal Palace in Daly City, which is a fairgrounds in the San Francisco Bay Area, and the Orange County Fairgrounds. What they were planning to do in the case of courthouses and other public buildings that were fully used is sell them off and then have the government agencies do leasebacks. This is very profitable, potentially, for the person who buys it because they're buying it a building that's already fully leased. Well, I just want to figure, is there a red thread here? When underutilized meant it was a publicly owned property in a highly valued area. Yes. That was the issue. Right. What they were doing is they were using, there's two meanings to underutilize. There's what the public thinks, that it's some small uh, parcel of land that you maybe need to put a fast food restaurant on because it's so small. Then there's underutilized in the real estate sense, meaning I can make a lot more money off of that if I increase the density or buy it and then lease it out. So there's two meanings to the word underutilized. They were going with the real estate definition of it. Okay, so then, so we move into the the scrimmage here about the, the, when does the fair board come into existence uh, following uh, the governor's proposal to put this on the auction block, this particular property? Right. Um, the fair board has been around since the fair you know, since the fair was founded many years ago. Uh, in the spring of two thousand and nine, the discussions began about what to do about the fairgrounds. Then in the summer, there was a special meeting held, which is very unusual. They held it during fair time, and they announced that if the property was going to be put up for sale, the fair board would find a way to try to keep it public. We then later find out that at the same, in the same time period those meetings were being held in public, the fair board was having discussions to form a private foundation to buy the property that they were managing for the state, and that's when the game began at that point. Okay. And so tell us um, the composition of the fair board at that point. Uh, It's a nine-member board. Some of the people on it at the time were Dave Ellis, uh, Joyce Tucker, Christina Dodge, Dave Padilla, uh, and a few other people. And these were all... Fair boards are appointed by governors. They're appointed to a four-year term. You serve until you are replaced. So your term may expire, but you don't leave office like an elected official does. You continue until you're replaced. So some of these people have been appointed by the governors before and just continued serving. Uh, and then a few were Schwarzenegger appointees. And and Dave Ellis's portfolio, he is a, a political consultant who has 
I want for everybody to check out some of our local blogs. David Ellis has quite an extensive career in the kinds of tone that he brings to political campaigns. And that tone is uh, amidst the process in this with uh, doing the bidding for the fair board. So this is uh, we're going to keep that name and we're going to go back to that name. So what happened during the sale? Let's go now to 2009 to 2011. Some folks may remember some of the uh, uh, the organizing around, and there, there was a huge Facebook for the, preser- the, the Preservation Society was was per, uh, put together at that point. Were you involved with the founding and Teresa Sears and others? Yes. Uh, the property was put up for sale. The people who use the fairgrounds, the people who sell at the fair, the neighbors, the people from the equestrian center uh, started asking the fair board to not sell the property because it means the end of their livelihood, the end of a public fairgrounds. A group, the Orange County Fairgrounds Preservation Society, was founded. And where did everybody come from? We came from everywhere. Uh, all over the county. All over the county. There was equestrians involved, merchants and vendors, local neighbors, uh, council Costa Mesa City Councilwoman Sandy Guinness was also involved. Teresa Sears. Katrina Foley. Katrina Foley. Then was on a- the council, now on the, the Costa Mesa, uh, the Newport Mesa School Board. And But yes. she's going to run for again for Costa Mesa City yes, Council. Yes, she's running to get back on council. Uh, so there's quite a broad base of people. We, uh, the Orange County Fairgrounds Preservation Society, also started the Derail the Sale campaign, which is the name of the Facebook page that we still have. It's still up and running. Okay. It's still up and running. And, and is there new information on that? I mean, it's not just people coming, but you're you're posting yes. new things. Yes. Were you posting all of your forensic work on that over the time? Because I I looked at it at the time, but I, I'm not. I hadn't haven't recently looked at. It, but you kept logging in your findings there. Uh, yes, it's it's kept updated with the different stories and the issues that come up. Okay. So so that, it was like a blog, like the o, the blog of OC and the Voice of or, or Orange Juice and all all right. those kinds. But this right. one was the Preservation Society. Right, and it's voice. on Facebook, and then we also have a web page too what, that we keep updated okay you, yeah. you can give us that now because we can bring it up again later yeah ocfairpreservationsociety.org okay thank you so, so well thank you well for those of you who've just joined us my guest is ter- uh, teresa teresa would uh, she's been involved in this and she's gonna think she wasn't able to come yes. so it's, but my guest today for this full hour is reggie mundicus orange county constituent an activist minding the oversight of business transactions and programming at the Orange County Fairgrounds. You're tuned to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, streaming in barn stalls and uh, board meetings all around on the web at KUCI.org. As I said, we're devoting the whole hour, and I'm going to give folks a chance to call in and ask Reggie the specific questions. Uh, while she carries that, I'll tr- screen your call and post uh, patch you through this console here. The number is 949-824-5824. And for those who like the number, the letters over the numbers, it's 949-UCI-KUCI. So let's then go on. What happened? Um, let's let's go back to what was happening with um, the fair board uh, was working toward uh, the fair board became they were uh, put in a position of being a seller and being a buyer at the same time. So we're not going to talk about what you found, uh, what you wrote up later, but what in the real time was happening with that 
conflict of interest that was opening up with a public pr- uh, public entity. Yes, um, it's and a bef- joint powers agreement entity. That well, no, it's not a joint powers agreement. But that okay, that came in later. Excuse me. Well, uh, uh, actually, there's there's a joint powers agreement entity that does construction projects at the for- fairgrounds, and that's a that's an entire. Okay, several we'll get to that discussion okay. itself. But okay. I just want to give a shout out to Greg Ridge, who was also heavily yes, involved with exactly. the Orange County Fairgrounds Preservation Who could not make Society. it either today. Who but, could not make it either because he's But enjoying, he's there. He's there. He is currently enjoying uh, his family vacation in Washington. So congratulations on that. Uh, at the time, we had a very difficult time getting facts and information as to what was going on. Agencies... And government in California is supposed to be open. They're supposed to follow the Brown Act, or in the case of an appointed board, the Bagley-Keene Act, and the California Public Records Act. When we would ask for information through the Public Records Act, if it was something that that maybe we felt they didn't want us to get, there would be delays. There was one case in which we had to wait 820 days to get records. So at the time, we were hearing wow. bits and pieces. That's a half of, a year. Oh, like 820 days is like two years. Oh, no. I thought I said 108. Okay. 800. Oh, my goodness. Right. And so we would make these repeated requests, and we would stand up at the fair board meetings and say, look, I want to find out what's happening with the lobbying contracts that I've heard about, that people have told me about. And there was a lot of denial of what was going on and things that were denied at the time. We later found out to be true. uh, And it just really reinforced the idea of maybe uh, there are sometimes people in government who don't serve for the public good. They, and it really helped us to learn more about the California Public Records Act and the Bagley-Keene law and how to enforce it. And now we've gone on to teach other people how to, how to uh, better advocate for themselves. Everybody wonders how I know so much about the Public Records Act. It's because of the fairgrounds. Okay. So... We have then these, this party who is acting as both the, the, yes. the, buyer, the seller and the buyer in that order. Can't mix that up. And so uh, we, uh, there were a number of people that were involved then that I want us, we're going to bring them up at a later date because they, not only they're still working a little bit, these angles with the, the Orange County Fairground, but these people have been in the middle of the build the great park now, which has a privatization agenda for the great park. There's Guy Lemon, there's Dave Ellis, and there's Dick Ackerman. They were all involved at the time mm-hmm. where the the seller and buyer were negotiating with themselves. Can you give us a, a sort of a bio of what these gentlemen contributed to the process? And then we'll talk about your findings of where transgressions had occurred, and we'll talk later about how that's been addressed with the um, at the district uh, at the the um, the county prosecutors level, the legislative arena, and so on. So let's go back. These individuals were involved in many discussions and negotiations. Can you give us a a good summary of that, Reggie? Yes. Uh, the fairgrounds was put up for sale three times in the space of less than a year and a half. And two of the times, a company named Facilities Management West bid on the property and were able to be the high bidder. Uh, Facilities Management West is 
a real estate company that was formed for the purposes of buying the fairgrounds. What is interesting about that company was that one of the people who went to work for them is currently in the business development department department at the fairgrounds in a very high level position. And the person who heads up one of the JPAs that the fairgrounds has to deal with for construction projects and insurance pool issues also went to work for them as their temporary CEO while she was still head of a state JPA. So those people are in the, so some of those people are still in the loop. When FMW was announced as the bidder, winning bidder for the fairgrounds, they made it very clear that they wanted to intensify the use of the property. They not just intensify, well, but change, shift, tilt from. Well, well, what was interesting about that was that they never came out and said that we're going to eventually build apartments or a shopping center on or it. Or sports center. Or sports center on it. They, so their actual final, what they were going to do with it never was revealed. But there was a series of articles in the Daily Pilot that said that it, fairgrounds uses were intensified. It would be more than golf course, uh, golf carts, uh, golf, driving ranges and golf courses that they needed to make money off the property, especially with the lease payments or the rent payments they would have to make to the state. So they were looking at ways to maximize the uses and possibly change the uses. We in the Preservation Society and other members of the public in Costa Mesa were very concerned about this because the fairground sits in the middle of a residential neighborhood and there's elementary and high schools that that literally back up to the property. Uh, we were very we were uh, challenging them on their definition of fair because even though in the contract it said there had to be a definition of annual fair, they had a very loosely defined activity that we felt would let them have something just over two or three days effectively in the parking lot and call it the annual fair. They also had the right to relocate the actual annual fair to another location while still retaining the right to call it the fairgrounds. Wow. It was, it was a very challenging time, and it made people very aware of how difficult the public process could be. At the time, the Costa Mesa was negotiating with them. They were the city of the city of Costa Mesa. the The way it came down from Schwarzenegger after the bid to Craig Realty was rejected during the January auction was Schwarzenegger came back and said. Costa Mesa, you, you know, you need to buy the property and then you figure out what to do with it. So Costa Mesa set up a bid process, American Fairs and Festivals and Facilities Management West both bid. Eventually, Facilities Management West was named the winning bidder. And then the the real challenges began because we were in meeting, we were in what was supposed to be public meetings until like 10 o'clock at night, midnight night, and they were going over this several hundred page lease agreement that none of us had a copy of, or we were never sure if we had the right copy of it, uh, because things were changing so fast and so fluidly that there's even times when the city attorney was not sure if they had the most recent copy. Well, that's pretty troubling. That's pre- That was very, very troubling. And also trying to get information as far as terms and conditions, because there were pushes to try to keep as much private as possible. But under the Brown Act, there's, there's limitations as to what you can negotiate in private. And we, we spent a lot of time pushing stuff to, be, to have it be more public because it's such a critical asset. Uh, and in the end, really? 
Costa Mesa got close to doing a lease, and the governor, Governor Schwarzenegger, in August said, no, I'm putting it back up for sale again. August 2010 by then, or 2011? Uh, 2010. Or 20, okay. So August 2010, right, property went up for sale. Right, because election going on for governor, right? Election that, going on fall. for governor in the fall. Property goes up for sale for the third time, mm-hmm. and the same two parties, Facilities Management West and American Fairs and Festivals, bid on it. Facilities Management West is again selected as the winning bidder through the governor's process this time. And then uh, American Fairs and Festivals and the Orange County Fairgrounds Preservation Society and a number of members of the, or- of the legislative delegation of Orange County file suit to block the sale. Because we're looking at this and we're realizing this is not in the public interest. There would be a big change in the way the property is used. It's going to impact everybody. Uh, and you're smelling a windfall. And it, it, there's just a bunch of stuff that just doesn't look right. It just doesn't fit together. Uh, and we could, and many, many questions we just could not get answered to our satisfaction. So there's a, there's a, it, goes, it goes to court. The judge says, no, the sale can proceed. There's an appeal, an injunction uh, that was supposed to stop everything to do with the sale until a trial could be held. Well, that injunction, which started around late November, the fairgrounds... 2010. Yeah, yes. Okay. November of We're 2010. We're still in that year. Mm-hmm. The, uh, I was always taught that when you have an injunction, you're supposed to obey it. Abide by it. Yeah. Stop. Stop You're supposed to stop doing whatever you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to listen to the judge and just sit there quietly until the judge says you can proceed. Well, they still continue to push on with the sale. So in the beginning of December, uh, fairground staff are given their pink slips. This is like three weeks before Christmas of 2010 and told that they can reapply for their jobs with FMW. So is this happening because they know there will be a new governor yes, in the office? Yes. So they are, now it's a stampede. And so that injunction is something that they have to ignore to keep advancing this uh, this pie the, right in the sky. If you're if you're a football fan, it's clock management in the last couple of minutes of the game. So they're they're managing the clock because they know it's going to run down. So the person who is the interim CEO of the fair, of the FMW effort the, is Becky Bailey Finley, the former CEO of the fairgrounds, who was also a consultant with Costa Mesa when they were trying to buy the fairgrounds. And there's questions about whether or not her timing of working for FMW Facilities and, Management West we, yeah, Facilities you, you Management West and Costa Mesa that summer and at the time she was also the uh, new interim chief of the California Construction Authority which oversees construction projects at California Fairgrounds wow. including the Orange County Fairgrounds so we have that and then we also have a person who is now high up in the business development department at the Orange County Fairgrounds who was the per- who was the person who received the applications from the fairgrounds employees who wanted to work for FMW. Who's that? It's Michelle Richards. She's still on staff. We've got to watch that. Okay. Yeah, she's still on staff there. Um, And that's always been a very sore spot for people, to be honest, because it just just doesn't look right. It's the bruise on the fruit. It could... could, uh, Or the little, little, uh, the tiny tumor that might metastasize in some of the the transactions to come right so so that's what's happening in december 2010 and and again we still have trouble getting information as far as what's happening eventually they the fair board is told that you will have a meeting on january 1 of 2011 to transfer the property to 
to a entity that's been set up to hand to then transfer the deed to Facilities Management West. There was protests made, and eventually the Attorney General, who at the time was Jerry Brown, gets involved and says, "No, you're not going to have that meeting." That's Jerry Brown, the Attorney General, who's going to be governor right. in another th- two to three weeks. Even closer than that, okay? Because California swears in their governors earlier than the than the President of the United States is sworn in. So uh, they cancel the meeting after much protests and attorney letters. Uh, Governor Brown is sworn in. He postpones the sale and says, we're going to stop this for now until I, until later on in the year when I can actually think about what's happening and take further action. So the case goes to trial and the judge finds that the sale process is hopelessly flawed and that if the government, if the state of California actually wants to sell the property, that they would have to start over with a brand new sale process. Let me just back up. The hopelessly flawed is a direct quote, and you could almost Google that in Orange County circles, and it'll yes. always go back to that that ruling and that kind of thing. So you're not running with the uh, the theatrics. This is what was said by the judge himself. Yes, because this was a sale process that no one else has quite ever seen again. And hopefully we will never see uh, see anything like this again. Now, in that process, we let's back up now. Dick Ackerman was the state senate uh, member for representing a portion of Irvine and north up to uh, Orange and Fullerton. So, at a point, um, he he, he resi- his term ended at the December two thousand and eight. Yes. And so, folks, the clock is really important here. And so he appears on the scene in the early spring, about March or April, in 2009. The concern here is, and we, we, this didn't, wasn't a part of the previous interview I had with him. It was my wish to, to make sure, though we had a chance to talk about this, is in the spring of 2009, your forensic work has disclosed that Dick Ackerman was very involved in these negotiations. So what is the importance of that involvement on Dick Ackerman's part? Okay, I I would just like to say up front that so far the FPPC, the Fair Political Practices Commission, has cleared Dick Ackerman of any possible wrongdoing, and the Orange County District Attorney has also said he hasn't done any wrongdoing. But we still have the problem of the public trust has been violated. Uh, what happened, and again, this was something that we had heard about, but at the time we could not confirm. We actually couldn't confirm this until probably until 2011 when we were actually able to get our hands on the documents. And you went up to it, Sacramento to get all this. We got some of it from Sacramento. It could have been subpoenaed by the, our district attorney, but it never was subpoenaed. Right. But you found it. Right. We had to find it. We got some of it by accident because somebody handed uh, Sandy Guinness and Teresa Sears documents they were not supposed to get, and we only found out the rest of the story during 2011. What had happened was Mr. Ackerman left office as the Senate majority. He termed out. He was termed out, and uh, he went to work for a law firm. Nossaman. Nossaman. And he was engaged to uh, find out what was going on with the sale process with Schwarzenegger's office and the Department of General Services. Now, during that time he was engaged, there was also another lobbying firm engaged, an appraiser and a title company engaged to prepare the, sale, prepare the property for sale. 
Uh, he also, his firm also did some work with the FAIR Foundation, which was made up of a majority of FAIR board members to help them set up their, ent- their entity to buy the property. There was also the bill that put the fairgrounds up for sale was written and passed without any input from Orange County residents. So we were able eventually to get the billings on this that show what had happened. Uh, for services rendered for, in the, yes, carrying to, the water here. Right. For To show that, yes, the bill was written. Yes, there was advocacy done. And the public is 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 disappointed in that we can't get any further with either the FPPC or the district attorney in getting some of this actually seen as a serious matter. But as Teresa Sears has told me that the the, the fair political practices letter that was the sort of uh, the end product of that investigation um, I, I don't have it in front of me, but it's uh, it's not the kind of letter you'd w- want in your resume. It has a lot of qualifiers or triple, double, quadruple negatives, and so it's it's walking a fine line in pronouncing what has what had happened. So uh, yes, that's... so now that now this brings us to where di- that you are now uh, doing your diligent work to try to unearth that paper trail. That paper trail isn't over yet. We're not talking about implicating Dick Ackerman in uh, violating the the 12-month interim period that you have to set up before you become a, a legit lobbyist. Now it's about the billing of his services, which had been essentially, I mean, it's it's in the many of the reports here. It's been laundered through the the planning from LSA, through to Nossaman, and, and, and was, it was consequential. And in all of that, those documents were the $8 million that were not to be recognized by the state of California as money doing what? Well, the, the continuing challenge here for the people who have to deal with the fairgrounds every day is that the agency that helped pass the money from the planning contract, because there was a contract for an environmental impact review for the equestrian center where some of that money was used to pay for uh, the appraisal the appraisal and the title report and the Nossman bill that money was funneled through the California Construction Authority and that's back to Miss Finley and all yes well I I don't think Becky was in charge of the authority at the time it was her predecessor but still the whole idea that you can have a joint powers authority that will do something they're told to do that just doesn't look right, that has absolutely nothing to do with a construction project. Uh, this had nothing to do with with an... E- it's a lobbyist's task. Yeah, it's a lobbyist task. It had nothing to do with an EIR for the equestrian center. Uh, that's troubling. And it's it goes back to the whole idea of the public trust has been violated. And we're, we're trying to get back to to the point where the public can trust some of these agencies we have to deal with the fair. I have to... Uh, say that the current fair board that we have is is a very good board. It has a, nobody on the board was involved in the sale, and they have done great efforts to try to clean up many of the aspects of the sale. So, so we're you getting know, a lot of support from the current board. That's Mike McCrary, Bill Kelly, David Morgan, David Ream, Kenneth Frank, Sandy Guinness, who's on the the, the board, and Lisa Sabo. Teresa Sears, well, Greg. Oh, that's no. that's oh. the oh that's that those are members of what was called the Fair Sale Review Committee. Oh, the review committee. The, Some of them are they on? The, no, no. Okay, the Fair I'm Board. Uh, the Fair oh, Board. Oh, here they are. The yeah. Fair Board. Back to them. Uh, so that's Stan Kezik. Tazik. Yeah. Tazik. Barbara Venizia's husband. 
Okay. And uh, Ashley Aitken, uh, Douglas LaBelle, Joyce Tucker, Christina Dodge. Uh, still not anymore. No. Uh, Ali Jangari, Jangari, uh, Jahangiri, Nick Berardino, and uh, let's see, Gerardo Moit, and Barbara Bagneris, Sandra Cervantes, Bao Nguyen, and Robert Ruiz. Yes. Um, Joyce Tucker, uh, Christina Dodge, and Ali have transitioned off because uh, they've been replaced. They, they're. They've been uh, superseded by Sandra Cervantes, Robert Ruiz, and Bao Wen. So, uh, following these fair board appointments is kind of, is you almost have to. It's almost like rotisserie baseball in some ways because it's so inside as far as who gets appointed and who gets moved and it's around. Huge. And stuff. These these have they have a lot of power here. They do. They do have a lot of power because fair board members are state officers. If you look at the code. In the food and ag section of the law, they are state officers, and they are allowed to manage the property as they see fit within within a large set of parameters. So it, they do have a lot of authority. Okay. So back to the billing, though, yes. that you're working on here, that you're detailing with, uh, I don't know if there's any new documents, are you working from all those ones that you picked up at your trip to Sacramento over a year ago? Um, to piece together uh, where that money, how much money, for whom, and processed through and laundered through different entities. So is there, uh, there is an active investigation pursuant to that activity at this point? Yes. What had happened was, uh, on a trip to Sacramento, Teresa Sears and Sandy Guinness uh, stopped by the California Construction Authority and accidentally received documents, including some of the Nossman billings that they weren't supposed to get. They didn't get a complete set, but what they got started to confirm what we had been hearing in bits and pieces. Then in 2012, the Fair Board, which was changing its its makeup at the time because Governor Brown was starting to appoint new people as terms expired, started the Fair Sale Review Committee as a way to to define what it was that was still upsetting people over the sale process and then try to get a list of action items that would uh, make people feel that the sale was formally ended. And as part of that, they were able to get a complete set of the Nossman building, billings and a, and a copy of the appraisal. It should be noted that the appraisal was never finished and accepted and that there was actual several attempts to make an appraisal, but they could never, for whatever reason, complete it. There was also the title report that they included. Uh, so those billings were put in the Fair Sale Review Committee. There's still questions about it, but as like a, you know, as a issue that still challenges people, it's, it's getting closed out. One of the actions of the Fair Sale Review Committee was to ask the district attorney to reopen his investigation into what happened, and that investigation is still ongoing. That is okay. Yes, that are is they still asking ongoing. questions now, or there? It's been uh, the uh, the evidence has been collected, and there is now a consideration. Is that is that sort of the, it's pending some kind right. of a judicial or a, a, a not judicial review, but a, a DA review? Right. It's still in the district attorney's office, and. The updates we hear is that they're still working on it. So we're we're still pushing that there's some action taken to say that 
this type of things that look bad to the public also look bad to the district attorney. Okay. For those of you who just tuned in, my guest is Reggie Mundicus, Orange County constituent and activist. She's from the city of Orange, mining along with a lot of other people from the, the Fair uh, Preservation Society, uh, the the machinations of and dispositions of the Orange County Fairground property here on Ask a Leader on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and streaming all over the world on the web at KUCI.org. So the the Fair Sale Review Committee, that's the people I was talking about, the first group, the Mike McCrary through Teresa Sears, Greg Silva and all that, that they're also working on a an organizational needs assessment um, to sort of, I guess, get back on track this this whole charter for the fair board. I, I'm not sure we're going to be able to unpackage a lot more unless you had one, a few, just real short things to say about the the status of the needs assessment at this point. Right, the organizational needs assessment was something that was that was truly needed. Where they brought in a management consultant to talk to people. They talked to employees. They talked to vendors. They talked to members of the public. And what they found was that. The rank-and-file workers, the people who do the work every day, who actually put on the fair, the people who help you park your cars, uh, the people who take care of the Centennial Farm, they've been really hurt and damaged by this wholesale process because they were always they were always the ones at the most risk of losing their job when they least needed to be put in that position. They're, they were not always treated well, uh, and they didn't get the career development and some of the other things that you would expect from a state job that is supposed to be a career path position. So the organizational needs assessment is looking at how to restructure the organization. One of, for an example of something that was neglected is that even though there's like a, a sales branch of the chart and a finance branch of the organizational chart, there's no operations branch. Wow. Yeah, right, which is nice shocking. void. Which is shocking because it's that's the fairgrounds the, has people coming and going every day, loading and unloading and things changing every day, and there's no chief of operations. So it's it's those kind of things that the needs assessment is looking at okay. to try to get get to the point where the worker, the everyday workers can feel better about the jobs and feel safer and more secure and feel that they're they're appreciated. So I know you've done a lot of work and we're going to fast forward to what's happening now. The bill, uh, there's some legislation afoot that has that whiff of privatization of this public entity. Tell us what's been going on and what's at stake. Yes. Please, uh, okay. Reggie. What, what's happening is that there's a push to privatize public assets. It's not just with fairgrounds, it's with the Great Park, where they're converting it to what some people have called the Great Sports Park in some areas. There's also a push to privatize things like water and roads, and fairgrounds are part of that. What During the, during the Schwarzenegger administration, the money that subsidized some of the smaller fairgrounds was cut off. Some of these properties, What's like another, like some rural kinds of usually, facilities? usually the smaller rural properties in the in, northern parts of the state. Okay, Orange County never got a check from the state because we've always been self-sufficient. All right. Uh, so since that money went away under the Schwarzenegger administration, there's always been a push push on government to say, well, if you're not going to fund us, cut us off from government. Well, this is this is really not fair because. Other entities have gone through the same thing. Caltrans has gone through 
funding cuts for their roads. School districts have gone through funding cuts. But there's no wholesale push on school districts and Caltrans to sell off every road and every school. What's happening to us is that every year there's a bill that comes up that start that finds a way to cut off some of the ties between state-owned fairgrounds and the state. The current bill that we're dealing with starts the process by removing state fairgrounds from having to follow state purchasing procedures, uh, also uh, cuts them off from some of the reporting procedures they have to All do. All of these which are essential. And these that's Assembly essential. Bill 2490. 2490. It sounds dry, folks, but this is where it all starts to happen and get pulled off. Right, because, because state-owned, uh, state agencies follow state procedures. Private companies follow private procedures. And this bill starts the process of giving state-owned properties private procedures, which is a necessary step to get them to be privately owned. So we're pushing back against the this The camel's bill. nose is under the tent. Yes, and it happens every year. Uh, in, two, in 2009, it was the bill to put the fairgrounds up for sale. There was no bill in 10 or 11 because the Orange County Fairgrounds was still up for sale. In 2012, there was a bill. Uh, AB 2345, authored by Fiona Ma, that was supposed to start the process. Last year, it was SP 741 by Anthony Canella, that was supposed to start the process. And this year, it's AB 2490, which is by Eggman, that is supposed to start the process. So for us in the Preservation Society, it's like our rights of spring. So I want for, treat, for Reggie to take a, a breath here, and I want for all the listeners to reflect on what an amazing brain trust pro bono offered to our county that this preservation society has availed us it it's not just we didn't we had two things going on in th- by the end of 2010 we had a new governor elected with a different agenda and we had these really applied unpaid i said it's pro bono unpaid citizens uh, uh, residents, I'm sit- it's, some, it's, it's not a matter of being a citizen, but residents, constituents of Orange County, who whose diligent work uh, has brought so much to the fore for us to see, and who have effectively put uh, a, a lot of really unseemly processes on hold or concluded them, so that we'd still have a fairground to go to this August, and I'm hoping we get to go to it next July, August in 2015. So I just I want to applaud you, Reggie and Teresa and Greg and all of you who've worked and and Sandy Gannis has worked hard in her capacity and she'll have she's uh was elected two years ago so she still has two more years in her term but uh, Costa Mesa City Council on now. the council so I I mean I just applaud you for uh, you were almost as important as having a new governor move into the mansion there and take take charge of some processes that weren't getting any kind of scrutiny. And I don't know uh, how you feel about what the district attorney will do with the latest uh, data that you've presented them, the evidence data is that's for accountants, evidence is for attorneys. So, um, so I just want to take pause with that. And um, there's some other things that are happening now. We might get to that, but uh, but I want to take pause to seg to, the bullet was dodged, folks, in Costa Mesa for now. That the sale of the fairgrounds was ultimately discontinued, or some say it was snuffed out. And uh, 
that we've taken stock. We're taking stock and will in the future too. And there there were some good blogs that were going, Norberto Santana and some others were, were watching that very carefully. And they kept chronicling what Dave Ellis, Guy Lemon, Nick Ackerman have been involved with. So now we see those same people involved with the great park mm-hmm. facilities. Uh, Guy Lemon was the one who organized all of those soccer moms and kids to show up at the all of the city council meetings in Irvine, which uh, under the banner of Build the Great Park Now. I'm not sure if Guy Lemon was as interested in making sure there were all those fee-based soccer venues set up, or does Guy Lemon have a different portfolio in mind? Let's put a little bright light on that in a few minutes we've got remaining as we're winding down uh, what else is going on at the fairground. Yeah. But this is the great part, this part. Yeah. Um, again, anytime you're dealing with a real estate company, it's always a challenge to find out what the end game is. Uh, wow. And you said it all. Well, it, it, it's true, though, because right. there, there are companies that come in and they run sports venues. And that's all they do. That's their entire business model is running sports venues. And if they came in, it'd be like, okay, they're here to run a sports venue. When we went through this with the fairgrounds... Even though we were told that that facilities management West wanted to run as a fairground, we were always really concerned about that because they facilities management West never owned a fairground, never had much to do with the fair business, and we could never nail them down on their plan long term plans and the way that they were treating public use of the property and wanting to define what an annual fair was and wanting to put certain terms on the way that agricultural uses and other uses were at the property really made us deeply concerned about the long-term prospects of the Orange County Fairgrounds staying the fairgrounds as we know it. So, yeah, it's one of these things of it may be okay today, but you need to keep an eye on it for the long term. And be ready to to push back. Uh, with private sports parks, I'm not I I'm not a soccer mom, but I'm always concerned that a fee for service sports park, especially on something that was land given from the federal from government, the federal to, the government the city. to the city, now it's been handed over to a private operator. That land was supposed to be used for some sort of public good that's available to the public most of the time at little or no cost, and now. It's someplace you have to pay to get into, just like Knott's Berry Farm or Disneyland or Anaheim Stadium. And that's really not in keeping, in my in my point of view, in keeping with the way that land should have been used since it came from the federal government and was supposed to become a park. Uh, there's also the whole issue of of your, your keeping out certain people because they can't afford the fees to play at these parks. And... Since it's going to be privately operated, you could expect the fees to be more than than at, say, a city park or a county-owned park for the same type of type of activity. Again, it's 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 economic segregation. It's it's saying that if you make a certain amount of money, you get to play soccer or baseball, or softball at the really nice park. If you don't make a certain amount of money, you have to go to this other park, which may not be as well maintained or have the right facilities or be as accessible to you when you want to play. And it, it it's it's a question of the public and private good. So uh, you must have been uh, your radar must have been just prickly with when you started to see uh, the build the great park now, and Emil Haddad, the CEO of Five Point Communities, collaborating on 
finishing building out the great park in their own uh, term on their own terms at, versus what you were involved with the Orange County Fairgrounds there there wasn't any counterpart like yours that was uh, running an interference from that privatization process underway and we got then without that kind of a uh, of activation in the city of Irvine because it was no longer with the the, the new board's construction of the great park is no longer in a county-wide board it was an Irvine council board only and so the majority on the board had control over permitting a private owner to, uh, a private manager to come in and take control of the great park so you must have all of you have just been beside yourself when you saw this persistent direction yes yes we looked at that and we were, and we we saw some of the plays that they were running they seemed very familiar familiar if, if i was a if i was looking to buy a home in that area of irvine i would actually be concerned about a, a fee-for-service sports park as opposed, you know, compared to some of the other uses that have been proposed for that area because when you think about it, a fee-for-service sports park actually generates a lot of cars on the road because it's it's mom and dad taking the kid to the game, picking them up, hanging out with the kid as they play. Or if they don't do that, mom and dad come in, they drop the kid off, then they come back and pick the kid up. Uh, and that's a lot of car trips. That's a lot of traffic both in that immediate area and also on the roads leading up to it. If you go, if you want to see what it's like, you, you can go to Mile Square Park because there's a part of it that's a sports park. And you can see how it impacts it when there's a large tournament going on. It's, it's a lot of people. They're having fun. It's great. It's outdoor recreation. But if you're a homeowner, it may not be so great for you all the time. And if it's a fee-for-service area, they have more of an incentive to try to get as much money generated as possible, as opposed to, say, you know, a city or a county park where they're not going to actively go out and perhaps market themselves to large tournaments and things. Well, they are trying. There is a, a an effort to get people out to those uh, the solar decathlon, but it's a yes. it's a it's I guess it's a different kind of a dribble in of the the the. Um, the followers and that kind of yes. thing. It's a it's yes. a different kind of activity. It's thinking. a different so, kind of activity. It's not as intense because the sports tournaments a surge. Are, are a surge of people in a in a short period of time over a few days. And I think they're a little messier. They're bringing in all their stuff. You yeah, know, they you know dropping their the, their goods. Uh, you know, the, I'm thinking like the, the food, lunch. I'm saying that detri- yeah, all that the, the the snack trappings and all well, that kind of well, thing. And okay, if everybody's tailgating it, you know, if everybody's really good, they clean up after themselves. But that doesn't happen. This kind of crowd activity. Okay, if everybody so the Cathlon, you just come and you're looking, you're ooh and ah and taking notes, you're bonding, and you're out. It's not doesn't generate the same kind of waste level as a this sort of other this other kind of activity. Well, okay, if you're comparing solar, okay, okay. if you're comparing solar decathlon to sports park, we're back to the nerds versus jocks oh, argument, oh. which is an entirely different show. Oh, well, that's but, a different one. Yeah, okay, but, but let's let but, you wrap up. No, but but if everybody's a good citizen, there's less impact on the trash. But we just hope everybody's a good citizen when it comes to parking, traffic, and trash management. So I we didn't get to get to the vet center that's uh, going to be created at the fairgrounds. There's some more. Um, aspects there and uh, you can that'll be on the Facebook page yes so let's give that Facebook page quickly again and the uh, Orange County Preservation yeah, Society it, our Facebook page is derail the sale d-e-r-a-i-l we'll put that sale. up on this podcast summary yeah. okay and then our web page is OC Fair, OC Fair Preservation org. 
Yes, the uh, Veterans Center was championed by Nick Berardino, who's a Vietnam vet. And he really believes that vets need a place of their own in Orange County, more than just a couple of park benches and some of the other small memorials. He wants it to be a gathering place. Last Veterans Day, the Orange County Employees Association and other groups hosted a free Veterans Day party at the fairgrounds on that Monday. So he's really pushing for vets. I think it's really important. My father and uncle were vets in World War II. We really need to step up in Orange County and give them the due that they deserve for doing what they did for us to keep us free. Well, I am also going to give you and all on the Preservation Society your due for all the oversight, the meticulous the investigations of this and we're going to stand by I'd like you to come back Reggie and Greg and all of you come back and post us on things as they're developing here this was my guest for the whole hour today Reggie Mundicus member of the Orange County Fairgrounds Preservation Society here on Ask a Leader Reggie Mundicus thank you so much for your time today and for all the hard work you've been doing with these activist groups thank you for having me Claudia Well, as we close, and I thank Reggie again, I hope everybody got more than they ever knew they were going to get about what goes on behind the scenes. That's all the time we have for Ask a Leader today. Next week, Ken Galdera, an Earth System scientist at Stanford University, will talk about all those sorted emissions that come from beef production. I mean, methane, CO2, nitrous oxides, all that coming out of both ends of that beef. Then we'll hear from UCI geology professor and president of the Seismic Society of America, Lisa Grant Ludwig, who will, in uh, the lead-up of a roundtable hosted at UCI, talk about earthquake hazard mitigation. The roundtable will be on August 11th, so start putting that on your calendar, folks. Talk with you next week. Thank you for listening. Thank you.